Good morning. For those of you joining us here in person and those of you joining us via the live feed, welcome. Whether you're a longtime member or visiting for the first time today, welcome. Whatever your past week has been, however this morning started out, welcome. The Spirit of God invites all to worship the Creator at this time and in our places, which dwell on Treaty 1 territory, the ancestral lands of the Métis Nation, the Dakota, the Cree, OJ Cree, Denny, Haudenosaunee, and Anishinaabe. Looking at the life of the congregation, there's a few things I want to highlight from the bulletin. One is, if you are interested in baptism or membership, please be in touch with Pastor Mel. Also this Tuesday, Dr. Heather McCumber, Associate Professor of Biblical Studies, will be speaking on what monsters in the Bible reveal. You can join this via Zoom. The link is in the bulletin. And also, just one note of uh, something not in the bulletin, there'll be no stories with seniors this Thursday as Mel is unavailable. Our first hymn this morning will be Let Us Build a House, number 36 in the hymnal. Uh, do we rise to sing or should we sit and say do what's most comfortable?
Please join me in, oh, I'm going to start with this scripture, Psalm 34, 1 to 3. I will extol the Lord at all times. Their praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt their name together. I sought the Lord who answered me, who delivered me from all my fears. Please join me in reading the call to worship. Let us come together with humility. Though we may be tempted to use harsh words, let us come together with gentleness. Though we may want everything to happen quickly, let us come together with patience. Though the world often encourages hate, let us come together with love. In humility, gentleness, patience, love, and unity. Let us all worship the God who has called us together. Hymn number 617, When Peace Like a River. Shall we rise?
37 27 to 28a turn from evil and do good then you will dwell in the land forever for the lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones god our light and salvation forgive us for those moments when we have walked in darkness stumbling in the wilderness of quarrels division and bickering you have called us to follow you and to fish for people. But too often we think that our way is the only way to do your will. Forgive us, Lord, for the brokenness that we bring upon ourselves. God, the stronghold of our life, hear our cry as we come to you for unity. Send your spirit to gather us as you desire us. Remind us that unity does not mean uniformity. Teach us that the same mind you call us to have is not ours, but the mind of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Whoops. 
Today, as we mentioned in the constant contact and uh, you see in your bulletin order, we want to um, have a few words of tribute and remembering to say goodbye to Nancy Pauls and Leona Rempel. Um, they both passed away now in January and um, there, was no, there were no funerals held in part because of COVID and some other reasons. And so um, it was suggested by some of our folks that knew um, them here that we should do some small part of remembering them here as a congregation. So we want to do that with mo this morning. We've done it with a few other folks um, throughout the last couple of years as well. Nancy Pauls was a longtime member of our congregation and she passed away on January the 13th. I got to know Nancy as an older person visiting her in her condo. In those days when I arrived as a pastor, she was always here, right kind of where you are, Trudy and David and Lee's there, her. She would sit there with Allie and Jessica and Lacey. She was always brought and she would always come to church um, right up there in the middle. I remember her as a very pleasant woman with a cute smile and a gentle kind of light lilting voice, um, which was always just wonderful to see her here. Given that I did not know her in her heyday here in the church, I did ask Lorraine about her involvement in church. And Lorraine said that Nancy sang in the choir, was one of the leaders in the girls' club, a Sunday school teacher, and the Sunday school superintendent, which would kind of be our children's church coordinator in our language. She was also active in women in mission with those who are in the congregation, many who are still in the congregation. And in her obituary, her children wrote of her volunteer time with MCC at the thrift store that she enjoyed doing. Lorraine mentioned that she was a very compassionate woman. Her children said in her obituary that she never claimed the limelight of front stage center, and they said that they would miss her gentle spirit. Nancy, as uh, you maybe know, or those of you who knew her, suffered from Alzheimer's and spent her last years at Cedarwood not knowing those who visited her and not known as she had once been by her children and her friends and her grandchildren. Speaking to that, I like the last line in the obituary that her children wrote. It said, your clouds have been lifted, no more masks to hide your loved one's faces. A really good line. So we say goodbye to Nancy. And also to Leona Rempel. Leona passed away on January the 26th. I also did not get to know her in her heyday. Not even for that, many, uh, for that many years as her and Art, they began attending here only um, after I'd been here a while. So my knowledge of her is recent and I didn't know her in her church where she used to worship and in her community involvement like others did. So I asked Mary Schmore about her. Mary was a friend who visited Leona weekly. She spoke of Leona as being her big sister. She was wise, articulate, engaged and knowledgeable, very positive and gracious. Mary is not ethnic, ethnic, Mary Schmore is not ethnically Mennonite, nor from Steinbach, and so she said Leona did so much to introduce her what it meant to live like, um, what it meant to live among Mennonites and to live in Steinbach in the community here. So Leona um, was really an encyclopedia for Mary. Um, her daughter, Margaret, who's part of Grace, said the one thing that really struck her about her mom was her acceptance of people. She was very hospitable and made people feel like best friends. And not just those who were her best friends, but everyone who she met. She really appreciated being with people and wanted to make everybody feel like they were special. She was informed. She knew the news. That's what Margaret also said, and that was confirmed by Mary. And I remember that, too, as we would get together sometimes for visits. She would speak about politics. She, she even knew American politics because her son and daughter-in-law live in New York, and she was interested and engaged in that. 
I'll always remember her because she would always ask about Kyle and I and the church, always spoke of praying for us and all of us, and always spoke so well of her grandchildren and her children. And I did hear from Mary and Margaret that she was very glad that she had found out she had gotten cancer in her mid-90s because she said, I did not want to live to be 100. Mm -hmm. I've got one more. We'll miss Leona and Nancy, especially her families and close friends, because as they were older, they were not able to be out and around as much as they used to be. So to you, their families, if you're listening this morning or you here who remember them, um, God be with you as you live without them and remember them and who they were in your lives. In John chapter 14, Jesus says to his disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? By God's grace and love and forgiveness in Christ, we trust that these words are true for God's faithful children, Nancy and Leona, and for ourselves. Let's pray together. God, we are thankful today for your love. We're thankful for how it was shown to us through Nancy and Leona, the gift that they were to our lives. More intimately as family, how they cared and nurtured life within those relationships, and in their wider circles as friends and here in church. We will remember them always. Be with us as we do with both smiles and tears. And now, trusting in your life, death, and resurrection among us in Christ to reveal your grace, forgiveness, and love, both now and beyond this life, we give them into your good hands, grateful that they are now at peace with you. Amen. Number, <clears throat> excuse me, verse uh, um, in our hymnaries, hymn number 661. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand. I think we'll sing it so they can hear it. Small in number we might be. It's, I'm not sure if it's familiar to you, but we'll sing it. the 
forever rains and scatters night away. I'm bound for the promised land. I'm bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I'm bound for the promised land. Filled with delight, my raptured soul can hear no longer stay. Though Jordan's waves around me roll, fearless I launch away. I'm bound for the promised land. I'm bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I'm bound for the promised land. I'm bound for the promised land. I'm bound for the promised land. Psalm 37, 3 and 4. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. Generous, gracious God, you bless us with life. You sustain us that we might live fully. You shower us with gifts that we might share your abundance freely. Accept our offerings of thanksgiving, love, and commitment. We offer them so that your name may be glorified and your love shared in this city and in this world. In the name of your greatest gift, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, you know, we do have some children here today. Would you like to come up for a little bit of a time with the children? I'd like to see you guys up here. Yeah. Okay. Now, we don't have Finn the Dragon, but we do have some stuff here. Okay. Oh, we'll wait for, we'll wait for Amos and Dominic there. They're coming too. Hi, guys. Good to see you. Now, do you, you know what, I'm going to come right down like this. Do you like everything that your mom and dad give you to eat for lunch? Always, Emily? You always say, yes, I like everything? Oh, boy. Ella, you too? Oh. Amos, do you like everything your mom and dad wants you to eat? 
Yeah. Boy, I, you guys are amazing. Okay. Well, here, I'm going to ask you some questions. Okay. I have a, what's this? Orange. Do you like oranges? Ella, do you like oranges? Amos and Dominic, do you like orange? You like orange. Okay. What's this? No, not a cucumber. Ella? Um, celery. Celery. Do you like celery? No. Ella, do you, you don't either? Peter, do you like celery? Amos, do you like celery? Yeah, okay. So you guys don't, but Amos does. Isn't that interesting? What's this? Carrots. Carrots, yeah. Who likes carrots? Put up your hand. All of us like carrots, yeah, I do too. Oh, now what's that? Do you know what that is? No? What do you think? Yes, Ella. Corn. That's corn. Do you like corn? Good, we all like corn. I'm going you know, to put corn there and carrots because we all liked those, but we didn't like this. What's this look like? Cheese. Do we like cheese? All of us like cheese? Put up your hand. All like cheese. Okay, we'll put that there. Mustard. Do you like mustard? You like mustard? Ella, you don't like mustard. Oh. <laughs> I'll repeat that just so everybody heard. Sometimes mummy doesn't like mustard. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Okay, and what's this one? Yes, ketchup. Do we like ketchup? You do? I do too. There we go. So we're going to put that one over there. And finally, what's this one? What is that? Ella. A cookie. That's a cookie. Now, do you like, you like, let's put up our hands if we like cookies. Do you like all kinds of cookies? Every kind of cookie. Do you like peanut butter cookies? Good. I do too. Do you like oatmeal cookies? Sometimes. So we'll put them in the middle because that's a sometimes. Okay. So we have not everybody like those. And we all like these all the time. And these, it depends. Sometimes we like it. Sometimes we don't. Isn't it funny that we always don't all like the same things? Yeah. That's all that I want you to remember this today. When you like something, and your brother Peter doesn't, Emily, that's interesting. Dominic and Amos, when you like something and maybe you don't like the same things. Ella, when you like one thing and your dad says that's not good. Yeah, we don't always like the same things. Let's pray. Because we're going to pray that God helps us to like each other when we don't like the same things. Okay, let's pray. God, thank you that you are with us all the time. And that you help us to like each other when we don't all like the same things. Show us how to be those people that like each other when that happens. Be with us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you guys, you can go back to your seats.
Okay, I'm going to try and do this, as you said, Tim, and get that down. So maybe it will. Is that going to be better? Like that? Yeah. If I, it's still coming, tell me, and then I'll even put it down lower if I need to. Okay, still doing it. Is that? Maybe that's even better. Back in the fall, I had to look back to see where it was. Time flies when I'm getting older. I suggested in one sermon that an exercise in learning to hope was to read scripture, and I suggested Luke. One of you took me up on that and emailed me later saying that you'd seen some pretty harsh words there that were surprising or you hadn't noticed before. It's almost like you didn't think Jesus should be saying those kind of things. And maybe they were some of these words, I can't remember which ones exactly they were, but they were like this. Jesus says to people, to his disciples, do not think that I came to bring peace. Peace. I'm really... Yeah, we're going to have to... Is that it maybe, or should we just get the other, the other one? Let's try. If we can't get the mic working, maybe I'll have to, uh, there's only a few of us I could do like Jesus and come out in the middle of an, a you in a boat and just talk without a microphone. Is that, is that working now? Am I turned? Yep, I'm on. Yep. Okay. Good. Getting there? Yep. Okay. Good. Um, anyway, going back, so that was these verses in Luke, and, and, um, and they went like this. Jesus says, do you think I came to bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but division. Family will be divided against each other, son against father, mother against daughter, and in-laws against in-laws. And that's the stuff that comedies are made of. While we don't much like to dwell on it, Jesus was divisive from the get-go. And I didn't necessarily go to this, um, this sermon or the title of divisiveness or who's right, given all that we're encountering these days here. And it, uh, it was the text, and I'd like us to think of this much more broadly than simply the things we're encountering these days. Consider the last 10 years and how you have understood and been with life in divisive situations. The story. Um, then Jesus began to go about in Galilee, but... He did not wish to go about in Judea because the Jews were looking for an opportunity to kill him. But his brothers said to him, because the festival of booths was approaching in Jerusalem, no, leave here in Galilee and go to Judea because there your disciples also will see the works that you're doing. If you want to be widely known, don't act in secret. If you really are doing the things that you're doing, Go and show the world. You see, his brothers didn't really believe in him either. But he said to his brothers, No, you go to the festival yourselves. I'm not going to go to this festival, for my time has not yet fully come. But then, after they had gone, he also went, not publicly, but in private. And the Jews were looking for him at the festival, saying, Where is he? 
there was also considerable complaint about him among the crowd. They were, some were saying, oh, he's a good man. But others were saying, no, he deceives the crowds. But none would speak openly about him for fear of the Jews. About the middle of the festival, Jesus gave up with the secrecy, went into the temple, though, and began to teach. And then, on the last day of the festival, the great day, while he was still standing up front, Jesus cried out, Let all who are thirsty come to me, and let those who believe in me drink. As it's written in Scripture, out of the believer's heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, he was speaking about the Spirit which the disciples were to receive, for as yet there was no Spirit, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So when those in the crowd heard Jesus' words, some said, yes, this really is the prophet. And others said, no, no, this is the Messiah. But still others said, the Messiah is not to come from Galilee, is he? Is it not written in Scripture that the Messiah comes from, descended from David and comes from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? And so there was division about him among the crowd. Some wanted to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him. Instead, the temple uh, chief priest, the temple priests, police went back to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they were asked, well, why didn't you arrest him? Well, they said, because never has anyone spoken like this. And the Pharisees replied, oh, you've not been deceived as well, have you? Have any of the authorities or, or we, the Pharisees, gone after him? Only this, this crowd, they don't even know the law. They are, they're accursed. But then Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus before and who was one of them, said, Our law does not judge a person before giving them a hearing to find out what they are doing, does it? Well, his colleagues replied, Oh, you are not from Galilee also, are you? Just search and see. You'll find that no prophet is to arise from Galilee. Divisive from the get-go. Within Judaism, his own faith as a Jew, Jesus challenged what was understood and practiced and upheld about God and faith by its religious leaders. Within the gathering of those who followed him, he spoke words that were so difficult that many who had started to follow him decided they could no longer do that. There's a story of that in chapter 6 preceding this story. Among those who followed him until the end, you might remember the story of Judas. Judas also decided in the end that he could no longer go along with Jesus and he divided. Jesus was divisive. Outside of Judaism, the faith was carried into the surrounding regions and countries after Jesus' resurrection. The Christian community, a small and powerless and for that reason seemingly non-threatening group, were nonetheless persecuted because of their Jesus message and lives. But despite that, the Christian faith took root in the world, and after it surprisingly became the religion of the state 300 years after Jesus, the church authorities, they got together to make statements about who Jesus was and church practice. It was a dis uh, discussion about Jesus' nature, about his being. Was he fully God? Was he fully human? Was he both? It was a theological, doctrinal division between those together in the church. Then, 1,100 years later, the Reformation happened in Europe. Catechismic division in which Protestant and Anabaptist churches were birthed out of the Roman Catholic Church. While about church practices, it was also about Jesus. 
Luther, who are brothers and sisters in the Lutheran Church, um, they are the name of him. Um, he loved, fell in love with Jesus of grace, while the Anabaptists, they fell in love with the Jesus of justice and, and mercy. And then together, they separated from the Roman Catholic Church together, but then they also separated from each other because of Jesus. So they didn't stay together either. And then after 500 years later, we're no different really. About 30 years ago, something came up that was called the Jesus, Jesus Seminar, and it gathered together those who wanted to try and figure out exactly what they felt were the actual words and deeds of Jesus in the Gospels, not just something made up by later followers who wrote the Gospels, as they named it. They boiled down all of Jesus' words and deeds in Scripture and declared, in their opinions, that only a very small percentage were actually the authentic and words of the authentic and historical Jesus. Actually, I think it was something to the effect of either 12 to 16 to 18 percent of Jesus' words and deeds. Well, the reaction to that was swift, you might imagine. A New York Times recommendation on one of the books written in response to that and saying, no, this is not correct, said that this book is at the center of the newest round in what has been called the Jesus Wars. The Jesus Wars. Very true. Always have been. Who is Jesus? What does Jesus ask of us? Who should we be because of Jesus? Different divisions responding to different texts and times and questions and issues. The division around Jesus in the story that I just told had historical context. Those from the Jewish community who had believed in Jesus as the Messiah were no longer welcomed into the larger tent of Judaism after a while, their ethnic home. Maybe kind of like Mennonites who went off to war in the mid-1900s, they came back to Mennonite churches that felt they couldn't receive them. And so those Mennonites who still wanted to be in churches often ended up in Lutheran and United churches. Back in our story, it also had to do with Jerusalem and Galilee. Jerusalem was the center of the Jewish religious world, and the temple was there, the festivals were there. Galilee was way, way up in the north, away from the center of power and learning control. They might at that time have wondered if the Galileans were educated or informed enough to know what to do and how to act. Maybe they were too rebellious to know the faith as well as the cultured and knowing and politically ambitious Jerusalem was. The crowd is called accursed and not knowing the law, and it might summarize the feelings that Jerusalem, the center, had about those who lived out in the far regions. Though we likely shouldn't judge the Pharisees too harshly, they were probably trying to follow God as best they could to create a blessing from God for their people as well. Regardless, the anger towards Jerusalem's faith is perceptible throughout John where the gospel blames the Jews for the Jesus division and the Jews affirm that the problem is those who do not know the law well enough to know where the Messiah came from. Nothing new. Division around beliefs and understandings about Jesus. Different needs, different priorities, different experiences, personalities, church experiences, family backgrounds, education, politics, friends, all playing into those divisions. And as always, does it ever make for a diverse and divided landscape? Now since we arrived here in Steinbach 17 years ago, along with gossip about what this church does or what that church does, and I'm sure that Grace is gossiped about as well in those coffee shop conversations, 
there's been some major events that have happened that have highlighted some of these divisions about how we know and follow Jesus. The alcohol referendum, I'm sure you remember those um, in days gone by. A few years ago, it was the Gay-Straight Alliance in schools. That was front news. And most recently, it's freedom. Much of it in our community, at least, is grounded in faith and in talk of Jesus, or at least God. Not always Jesus, as someone astutely mentioned in our Stories with Seniors Bible study this last week. If, rather than being surprised, we might take for granted that division over Jesus is not atypical, that not all will see Jesus like I do, and I will not always see Jesus like others do, I wonder how I might live faithfully with Jesus in that division when we both don't like celery. Naming our faith in Jesus devoutly, though, and with certainty for ourselves, having non-negotiables, while also living well with those who understand Jesus differently. I want to leave you with two wonderings about that. One is here in the end of our story with Nicodemus, where he suggests that the law says, don't judge someone without first giving them a hearing. The Pharisees aren't open to that. Nicodemus is. Can we give people a hearing? Or maybe, rather, can we hear as we talk and listen? Can we hear who Jesus is for someone else and not only for myself? Years ago, Enid and I were working with MCC in Saskatoon. There we met many people as we lived in a housing complex for two years with about 100 units, I think, many other families. The people were from many different backgrounds and experiences, and it made for many interesting conversations as we entered a life that we had not really known before. While we'd grown up where theology was espoused and right living, in our estimation, was expected in the norm, we got to know others who saw and lived life just a whole lot differently than we did. I remember one conversation during a community barbecue that reminded me that I was now in a world unfamiliar to me. I don't know if any of you have enjoyed the movie The Wizard of Oz, but one of my favorite lines in The Wizard of Oz is when Dorothy looks down at her dog Toto after they end up in Oz, and she says, we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. I don't know if you remember that line, great line. Anyway, that's kind of what I felt like. And there I sat and ate with new friends who were living in ways that would likely have been considered very unhealthy, unwise, even unfaithful, while at the same time listening to them talk about faith and prayer in Jesus as we ate together. The other day I talked with someone that was commenting on our situation, well not the other day, months ago, and they were saying how they had had some uh, construction crew that was working on their house. And they had decided to go and talk with this construction crew because at that time they had to ask, you know, do you wear masks and vaccinations and things like that. And, um, and they had said they had gone and had a long conversation with this construction crew, and they said it was so good to talk with those who were seeing life differently than they were because they began to hear each other and see who people were, not just the opinions and the beliefs that they were espousing. All of this, going back to Saskatoon, was a lesson for me. My faith in Jesus is not the only one, even if I just know that it is. I learn that when I end up in and don't run from places where I can give someone a hearing. Places where I listen and give a hearing, maybe more than I talk and make statements. It doesn't mean that the other or I will change our understandings as that talk and listening continues, or who knows, we might. I know that this is not easy. 
just this last week again, and not in relation to what's happening around us, and something different, I was reminded of how I have not given this hearing to some people that I know and am close to. And secondly, likely many of us are in those places of hearing. We do have family and friends and co-workers who see Jesus differently in relation to many things. As we sit in some of those standoffs, for lack of a better term, I think we've likely learned that even after trying to listen, more and louder talking from either of us won't necessarily make the communication any easier. At that point... I imagine it might be more life-giving and more faithful to simply live deeper into our understanding of Jesus and God's truth than to try and find the error in that of the others. I kind of that we believe, maybe believe that we have somewhere to go, not something to stop. And that maybe in our going, then God will stop that which needs to be stopped. I've heard, and I'm not sure if it's true or not, but it would seem to make sense that when law enforcement is trained to identify counterfeit money, they spend their time with and completely recognizing the real thing, not that which is fake, not that which they're trying to discover is not real. In other words, they don't bother trying to discover what's not real, you just spend so much time with that which is, that that which isn't becomes evident. Know what's real, and you might easily know what's not. Now, that I'm putting, not that I'm putting myself down or anything like that, but for example, if you're learning to golf, you don't watch my swing. You watch Lloyd's or Phil's. To curl, you don't watch me. You watch Kyle. If you want to learn how to play guitar, watch David or Leroy, who was supposed to be up here, and if you want to learn to play piano, definitely don't watch me, you watch Lori. Although, if you want to know which football or hockey teams to cheer for, you watch me. Jesus' works and actions and self-giving in the gospel are profound, deep, and life-changing. And I imagine we only know how much so by immersing ourselves deeply in that living water and the living bread, that real life, as Jesus says of himself in the gospel, so as to understand and live it. Not trying to be faithful by focusing on stagnant water and stale bread of those that we tend to disagree with. For example, and I'll end this with this this morning. Yesterday as I was reading some scripture in the morning, I read this. But I tell you who hear me, this is from Jesus, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Love your enemies. Do good to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be the child of the Most High because God is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned.
forgive, and you will be forgiven. So how's that gone for you recently? If we might spend our lives trying just to understand, live, and be that life, we might not have time to tell others how they're not that. We wouldn't have to. It would simply be evident. And we might then be able to trust God for the life that will emerge from that kind of deep drink at the gospel well. I trust that after we have come to Jesus as the thirsty and chosen to drink as those who believe that Jesus brings life, then our hearts will, as Jesus said, produce rivers of living water. Amen. speaking Mel. We'll sing now hymn number 619, In the Rifted Rock I Am Resting. Shall we stand?
Psalm 37, 39, and 40. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. The Lord is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. The Lord delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in the Lord. Please pray with me. Creator of light, thank you for gathering us to worship, to this place of worship in the light of this day. Scatter the darkness from our hearts and minds. May your light comfort the hearts and minds of all who grieve this day. We thank you for the light of life that was shared through Nancy Pauls and Leona Rempel. May their family and friends be filled with your peace. May your light heal the minds and bodies of all who struggle with illness. We pray for Christina Putz and Doris Friesen who are in hospital. For Shirley Joy as she prepares to move to Maplewood Manor. We also pray for those who are dealing with ongoing medical concerns. Gord Bartell, Regan Barkman, Betty Coop, Lori Craker, and Matt Rogalski. May your light illumine the hearts and minds of all who serve devotedly. We pray for endurance and wisdom for those making decisions of health care. We pray for frontline workers and support staff who continue to show up at work each day. Thank you for their tireless efforts. We also pray for Prime Minister Trudeau, Premier Stephenson, and our other political leaders. Guide and encourage them during this tumultuous time. Send forth your light of healing and peace into all the world, we pray. In the name of Jesus, the light of the world. Amen. Our final hymn, number 828, There's a Wild Hope in the Wind. Shall we stand one more time? Oh God, I need.
benediction. Through Jesus Christ, you are free. Free to extend forgiveness and to be forgiven. Free to service and to be served. Free to love and to accept love. Go into your community this week as free people. Thank you.